all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Our goal at Everyday Tech is to keep your technology not only working, but working for you. I'm the host, Abram Nanny, and you can join me and my friends Wednesday mornings at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Or search Everyday Tech on your favorite podcasting app or download the MPB Public Media app. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy Women's Health, where we discuss issues involving women's health. I'm Dr. Jasmine Kinsey, Assistant Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at UMMC. And happy Friday, everyone. I'm always excited to come towards the end of the week. And I don't think I have way too much on my plate this weekend, so I can be pretty excited about it being the weekend and maybe getting a little relaxation. And if I guess if you guys have been watching the weather, maybe enjoy the last few days of warmth. And then I think we've got a cold front coming through. But I'm excited this morning that I have Dr. Susan Schamberger on with me. Uh, we are coming to an end of, of National Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And so I know everyone has gotten the opportunity to see pink throughout the stores. If you're watching the football games, the players are, are, are showing their pink on their uniforms or shoes or whatever it may be. Um, but we just really wanted to uh, take this opportunity to round out and just finish educating um, some more on breast cancer awareness. So um, I have Dr. Susan Schamberger on with me. She's an associate professor um, at UMMC in the Department of Radiology. So good morning and welcome. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having Perfect. Well, if you don't mind, Susan, just tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about what you do at UMC. Well, um, my name is Susan Schamberger. I am from Mississippi. I'm actually from Jackson, Mississippi, uh, born here and uh, graduated from Clinton High School and then uh, did my undergraduate degree at Mississippi College and went to medical school at UMMC. Um, and then also completed my radiology training at UMMC before I did a breast imaging fellowship at University of Alabama at Birmingham. So I did seven years of private practice before coming back to UMMC to be on faculty. And I've been at UMMC for seven years now. So um, I'm blessed to be able to do what I love to do every day. I enjoy taking care of ladies and their families and even our men that have breast cancer. And um I just really love what I do and being able to take care of our patients and teach residents and medical students and um happy to spread the spread the word about screening mammograms and breast health. So Awesome. Well, I think everyone hears me say this over and over again on, on Fridays is I just remain fascinated by like medicine. Like I went to medical school and I was like, oh, I want to be a doctor. There's radiologists. They look at some images and that type of thing. But it's kind of cool how specialized medicine gets to be as you kind of go into in each individual specialty. And so um, it's nice to know. And I think 
patients can be re- uh, assured that you have experts looking at your film. So it's not just, you know, your everyday radiologist. You get additional training, right? On Yes, that's uh, one of the great things about radiology is how many fields of medicine it touches and how many different how many different spe- subspecialties there are to um, experience and learn. Um, we touch just about all facets of medicine, and mm-hmm. um, I particularly enjoy breast imaging and taking care of women and their breast health. So, um, yes, there's a fellowship, and it's extra training, and that's one of the good things at UMMC is that when you come there, um, most likely you will have someone that's fellowship-trained in to read your images in whatever specialty you need. So if you're coming for breast imaging, you'll have fellowship-trained breast radiologists reading your mammogram, yep. your MRI, your ultrasound, whatever you need for that. So, Which is perfect. Well, I kind of I feel a good portion, as I've mentioned before, this is National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and I feel so much of the focus, and it's supposed to be, of reminding women just to go um, and get their um mammograms and get their breast cancer screening but I feel like we don't get a chance to like dive really into what that means we're like go get a mammogram and it's like what is it what does it entail and all those things so I really hope um, over this next hour we'll really be able to kind of dive in what to expect what are my options for screening for breast cancer Um, what is it like how do I prepare what does it mean when I get my report and I always anytime we have a topic I always just like to start with statistics so just a few reminders you know Breast cancer affects about one in eight of U.S. women. That's about 13% of women. So that means that somebody knows somebody that's probably been diagnosed with breast cancer or at this point is a breast cancer survivor. And so I know you probably see that all the time with your imaging, people coming in that um, know someone or anxious, nervous. Absolutely. I think that is one of the things that reminds women, hey, I do need to get a mammogram, um, that I do need to take care of myself is when they see their friends and loved ones or their family members that have breast cancer, it's kind of a reminder. Um, Although we do like to remind ladies that it is important to get your annual screening mammography or once a year screening mammography for women of average risk. We recommend that that start at age 40. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of times people are able to combine that with their usually visit to their OBGYN or their internal medicine or a family doctor. But um, that's one way to kind of keep up with it or, Remember to have it yearly is to combine it with those visits. Exactly. And so we know that about 30% of all new female cancers diagnosed is, in fact, breast cancer. And the reason we push so much for screening is because we know that at the earliest localized stages, there is the five-year survival rate is 99%. So, I mean, that's amazing. There's not a lot of cancers that we really can say that about. And we have such so many great options. So um, just like Susan was saying, uh, now it's four. At one point, it was 50. So why the change? Why did they update well, that recommendation? Well, for the Society of Breast Imaging and American College of Radiology, it's always the recommendation has always been at age 40. Mm-hmm. And that's because that's how we protect the most women. Um, about 25% of all newly diagnosed cancers are in women age 40 to 50. And also that age group makes up the that's where we lose the most years of life. So the most years of life are saved in that age group of 40 to 50. Mm-hmm. Um, also, when you think about that group, if 25% of all new breast cancers are in that 10-year age range, 
That, there's a lot going on when you're in your that age range, <laughs> age 40 to 50. You have children at home. Um, you know, we're the sandwich generation. We That's when we start having to help take care of our parents a yep. little more. Um, most of us are women are working at this age, and this may be the busiest time in our career. Um, so there's a lot going on, and it's pretty easy to forget yourself when all that is going on. So I think we need to remind women to remember themselves mm-hmm. and um, take care of themselves at that age. Um, screening mammography is is a great lifesaver. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the only screening imaging programs that we have in medicine. In fact, it was the first one and the only for a long time. But we do know that since there's been widespread um, screening available in the United States since the 1990s, the mortality rate of breast cancer is decreased by 40%, up to 50% in women who are regularly screened. So, you know, that's, that's, that's a lot. Yeah, There's that's nothing huge. else in I medicine mean, yeah. that we can really say that for. So, and even, you know, people say, well, when can I stop my mammogram? Mm-hmm. And, um, there's some groups that do recommend stopping at age 74, but if you look at that age group, 75 to 84, if those patients are healthy and they continue their screening, their risk of dying from breast cancer is decreased by 65 to 70 percent. Wow. So it's not that breast cancer stops after age 74. It's People still have breast cancer, and they can be aggressive at that age. So even in that group, if you're healthy, if your life expectancy is greater than five to seven years and, you know, you're doing well, then you should continue your screening. It's uh, it's very sad when people come in and they decided to stop getting their screening after 75 and they're maybe 80 years old and they have a very large advanced breast cancer mm-hmm. when we might could have caught it earlier um, because – that's more years that they would have been able to live and enjoy their families or live independently and exactly. um, do well. So, And you bring up an excellent point. And I try to remind patients that, you know, a lot of this screening, they're recommendations. You know, they're what we're recommending for people to do. But it doesn't mean that's a hard stop. Like I've gotten a lot of people like, oh, I'm 74. I don't have to go anymore. You know, get that done. But like you said, I have some 74-year-old patients moving out better than some of my 50-year-old patients. So those are the ones I encourage. Absolutely. So I think, you know, if you're healthy, then you should continue your screening for certain. So we don't have an end date that mm-hmm. we recommend from ACR or the Society of Breast Imaging. It's really more that um, if your life expectancy is less than five to seven years and you have a lot of comorbidities that would prevent mm-hmm. you from having treatment, then then it's time to stop. But if you're doing well, if you're out there walking every day and not taking anything but an aspirin a day, then then Come keep it in. going. I'm That's with right. you. Well, it looks like we've got our first caller. We're going to go to Rebecca. Good morning, Rebecca. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing fine. We have a glorious day down here on the coast. Sunshine and beautiful. I love it for everyone, our listeners. Rebecca's in Gulfport, so she is definitely probably enjoying this weather. Yeah. It would only rain. <laughs> anyway. My, my OBGYN sent me in for my first mammogram when I was 35 because I worked at the casinos and smoky, you know, atmosphere and everything. And I got the letter from the hospital saying that there's abnormalities and they wanted to do more testing. Well, in a panic, I call my mother. My mother calls my sisters. My mother calls her sisters. Now, her sisters are 10 and 12 years older than me and had never been in for a baseline yet. They found mine was just a twist in the fabric and a cyst that had been there for almost 30 years and I was always told not to worry about. 
they found breast cancer on both of my aunts. So if they hadn't had that abnormality, God only knows what my aunts would have found their breast cancers, and they're both perfectly fine now and cancer-free. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Well, thank you, Rebecca. I mean, you you bring up an excellent point, you know, just getting everyone out there and getting that checked out. And that's a that's a success story. Um, I love the success yeah. story of screening mammography. If we can catch the cancer early, like Dr. Kinsey said that, you know, it's there's a 99 percent five year survival rate if we catch it early. So that's wonderful. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy Women's Health, where we discuss issues involving women's health. I'm Dr. Jasmine Kinsey, Assistant Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at UMMC. And I have on with me today Dr. Susan Schamberger, who's an Associate Professor in the Department of Radiology at UMMC. And she is one of uh, the Section Chief for our Breast Imaging. Um, So she is definitely an expert um, in breast imaging at our university. And we have just been talking about breast cancer since this is National Breast Cancer Awareness month and we're coming to an end and we really just kind of wanted to spend this show reminding everyone to get screening and just learning a lot more about what that entails and what are the updated recommendations so Susan and I were kind of chatting on the break and so there have been some changes so tell us a little bit about some of the updates so one of the biggest updates that we look at this year is that we call for all women to have a risk assessment at age 25 Because if you don't know what your risk factors are and you just start at 40, then we're missing the opportunity to find breast cancers early in women who are high risk. So we recommend that you see your doctor for a risk assessment at age 25 to see if earlier or supplemental screening is needed. That is starting before age 40. Um, So that's pretty important. And I think we need to get the word out about that. Um, Another one is that... um, Women who have previously been diagnosed with breast cancer before age 50 and women who have been diagnosed with breast cancer and have dense breast tissue, then they should consider supplemental screening with MRI in addition to mammography, just Mm -hmm. like we screen patients who are high risk from other genetic causes such as BRCA mutations Mm -hmm. or P10 or mutations, those types of gene mutations, because they've already proven that they have a susceptibility to develop breast cancer. And you're exactly right, because it's it's what's been probably, I think, the most scary thing for so many people as we've seen breast cancer as almost like it happens in older people. But the number we had a, a resident in our residency program that was in her late 20s got diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, and, you know, we're seeing even some more women in their 30s that are starting to be diagnosed. So it's not. Yeah, it's, it's not uncommon for mm-hmm. us. So if you know your risk factors early. Um, and you can start screening early if you find out that you are considered higher risk, then hopefully we can save more lives yeah. for these younger women. Exactly. Um, and, and tell us, so what does that risk assessment look like? Is that, is that imaging or, or what, what is that? Well, it takes into account multiple factors. Most, uh, the most commonly used and the, considered the most accurate right now is the Tyra Cusick model. And um, we'll take information such as your height and weight. It asks for your BMI, your hormonal history, um, your age at menses, how many children you have, at what age did you start having children, and in older women, have you had hormone replacement mm-hmm. therapy. And it also takes into consideration your breast density on your mammogram. 
and uh, your family, as well as your family history. That's very important, your family history. And it puts all those together and uh, calculates your lifetime risk, your estimated lifetime risk. And we consider anybody with a lifetime risk of 20% or greater to be considered high risk. Because you think about the average person, it's about a 12 to 13% risk. Yeah. But um, if your ri- lifetime risk of developing breast cancer is 20 or greater, then you probably deserve supplemental screening, which usually includes MRI in addition to annual screening mammography. Perfect. And and thank you so much for your call earlier, Rebecca. You know, just from her screening, you know, it was life saving for the rest of her relatives. So those of you that might be 40 or older in your 50s or 60s and you've got granddaughters and nieces and things like that, just encourage everyone to have that conversation with their primary care doctor. Um, have you been screened at, you know, the age of 25? And I'll be honest, that's not something I've consistently been doing myself in my clinic. So it's definitely even practice right. changing. So that recommendation actually first came out in May of this year. Yeah. So it is new. Hot off the press. So That's everyone, right. you know, and it oftentimes takes some time for it to be adapted into Absolutely. your clinical practice. And, you know, some people, you know, are fairly fortunate because their, you know, radars are going off when their family members are diagnosed to get that done a little bit sooner. Um, my mom and two of my aunts were diagnosed with, with breast cancer. So I was calling Dr. Kraft. Um, That's our breast specialist at UMC. I was like, all right, Dr. Kraft, I need to see you. Do I need to start doing anything? And so um. I started at 35 with a, a mm-hmm. lot of my screenings. And so if you if you just take into consideration family history, we usually recommend that you start screening 10 years earlier than your closest diagnosed relative. So if your mom had breast cancer, say at 40, mm-hmm. you would want to start your screening at 30. So we mentioned a little bit about... Um, I think everyone thinks about mammogram as the options for diagnosing breast cancer. What are the, is that still the gold standard or who needs an ultrasound? Where does MRI come in? So mammography is the gold standard for screening currently. Um, Ultrasound is not considered a standalone test at this time for screening. And MRI, um, in some cases, in certain gene mutations, we will screen with MRI without mammography starting at age 25, and then depending on the recommendation, add mammography um, later. Mm -hmm. But mammography is the gold standard. And what people ask all the time, so I know you get squished, I know it's uncomfortable, what does that entail? Well, really, it's two views of each breast and orthogonal views. One is craniocaudal or view from top to bottom, and one is what we call medial lateral oblique, or it's a little bit of a diagonal view from the side, and that gives us the best chance of being able to see anything that shouldn't be there in the breast tissue. And so if we see anything, then we usually do what's called a callback, and we call you back to evaluate if... um, there's truly an abnormality that needs a biopsy or to be followed a little bit more closely. Is there anything we can do to make it less uncomfortable? I've had some patients say, oh, I'll take ibuprofen or I take something before or. Yes, if you're still having periods, we usually recommend that you come the week after your period okay. because that can, your breasts are less sensitive during that time. Um, breasts are hormonal um, organs uh-huh. and uh, affected by your men- menstrual cycle and estrogen levels. And so if you come the week after, a lot of times it's not quite as uncomfortable um, if you can time it that way. Right. But, <laughs> and some people do take ibuprofen before, but, um, you know, I, I can't really speak to to, you know, for or against the ibuprofen part, but... Gotcha. 
it's usually just two views of each side. So it's pretty quick. Usually it doesn't take more than about 15 to 20 minutes of your day mm-hmm. once a year. So that's way easier than a lot of other screenings. I'm not going to say anything bad about any other screenings, but it's pretty it's pretty fast compared to some of the other screenings we do. Some different ones. You know, you're exactly right. What about something I've had come up in my clinic, my patients with limited mobility that aren't able to stand to do the mammo- to do their mammography? Are there other options or do they need to go to a different location? What do we do in those instances? Are So you know, in patients who have wheelchairs, if they if they can't stand unassisted, then usually they need to be somewhere where there's more than one tech available to help with that imaging. Um, At UMMC, we usually ask that they come to the medical mall where we have the most people, and uh, we're able to do that. Now, usually we ask that patients who come for screening mammography be able to at least sit unassisted if possible. So. Perfect. But we, it's it's hard to it's it's an upright exam. So if someone can't at least sit, you know, mm-hmm. then it's it may not be feasible. Gotcha. And I had that. I actually had one patient that wasn't getting her mammogram. She's like, I can't stand for it. And I was like, I'm pretty sure we can work around that. She had the impression that 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 she couldn't get if, her mammogram. If they can sit, we can usually do it. Okay. Awesome. Well, that's definitely good to know. So. You mentioned a little bit about the dense breast tissue. So a lot of people get their mammogram report back, and there's a segment on there that discusses that if you've got dense breast tissue, maybe you need additional imaging. What are your thoughts on do those patients need to pursue additional imaging or stick with their yearly mammograms? Or Annual screening mammography is still, like I said, Mm -hmm. the gold standard. Um, It is more difficult to find breast cancers in patients who have dense breast tissue um it's also they're also more likely to develop a breast cancer which is kind of a conundrum there there are some um facilities that offer automated breast ultrasound screening there are additional false positives that come with that as well Mm -hmm. um so there you know there's not a strong recommendation at this time for its supplemental screening just for breast dense for dense breast tissue Okay. And ones that wanted additional imaging, what would you recommend? I had a patient come in that was very adamant about me getting an ultrasound. And I said, you know, if it, I tell my patients a lot of times, if it helps you sleep at night, I, I am happy to help you with that. I, I can't always guarantee that insurance will cover it, but. <laughs> right. And insurance may not cover it because mm-hmm. there's not a recommendation at this time. For so. that. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So we talked a little bit about um mammograms being kind of the standard, many people get their reports back and they're kind of given a score on what they're... So how do people interpret their report? Okay. So in mammography or breast imaging, we use a lexicon, which is kind of like a language that all breast imagers or anybody that reads the report should be able to understand. Um, Well, sometimes it's more difficult for patients, but it's definitely so that all the reports kind of the language means something so Mm -hmm. that somebody in Los Angeles or New York or whether you had your mammogram in Mississippi, we would all understand what it means because we're using the same types of words for the same types of things. It's a language. So part of that language is your BIRADS category. And so your category and your impression at the end of your report, if you have a BIRADS 1, which means negative mammogram, which means we don't see anything at all wrong and everything looks good. So BIRADS 2 is benign findings. That means we see things like maybe some benign calcifications or several 
small, similar masses. And that means there are things there, but we're 100% sure that they're benign, not cancer. They're okay. And that just goes back to annual screening mammography. If you get a BIRAD zero, um, and that means we need to do a little bit more workup. And sometimes that just means we need to find your old films and compare Mm -hmm. because that's a that's a big deal for us, being able to tell if something's stable, um, if things are changing, because we use all those clues to figure out whether there is a cancer present. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you get the BIRAD zero, you keep reading, because sometimes it says, hey, we just need to find your old films. But sometimes it means, hey, we need to see you come back in, and we may need to take just a couple of additional views or do an ultrasound. And, you know, it's important to remember that out of every 100 women who get screened, about 90 will go on to just annual screening mammogram. About 10 of those women or 10% may get called back for further imaging, et cetera. Of those 10, six of those ladies are going to be reassured, reassured that everything's okay. Two will be asked to come back for um, short-term follow-up, say in six months. Mm-hmm. And then about two of those ladies will need a biopsy. So out of... Two out of 100, that's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. And so then even most of the people who are biopsied, there's about a 20% positive predictive value for our biopsies. So that means out of everything that we biopsy, about 20% of those or one of five will have a cancer. Gotcha. And I think, honestly, as a provider, that's probably one of my most difficult conversations is discussing the BIRAD zero, because I think it just causes so much anxiety because it's like you're telling me something's there. I've got to come back. They've seen something. Um, And so I try to. So I think the message is most of the time it's still okay. Good. (laughs) And we all all of us in this business, we're we're very. I don't want to say paranoid, but, you know, we don't want to let anything slide on anybody because every time we read a film, it's not just a film. That's mm-hmm. a person. That's somebody's mother. That's somebody's wife. Right. That's somebody's sister, daughter. And so you, it's not that you're just reading a film. You're taking care of a person. And when you think about it that way, you don't want to miss anything on anyone. And so sometimes we may call something back, even though it doesn't look like anything terrible, but we just want to prove Make that sure. it's okay. <laughs> We just want to prove that it's okay. And that's what I try to tell everyone else. Like, we just want more pictures. They want to make sure they're seeing what they see, that, you know, they feel good about it and can confidently tell you they think this is this is good. Because mammography is screening. Mm -hmm. So you're taking a population of asymptomatic people, people who are having no symptoms of breast cancer, and we're just taking pictures. Right. And as we go through those pictures, if we see any bumps then we're going to stop at the bumps and go, let's look at this a little further. And that's really all the zero is, is we see a little bump. Let's look at it further. And most of the time, it's okay. I think I'm going to have to start using that one (laughs) when I call patients back. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy Women's Health, where we discuss issues involving women's health. I'm Dr. Jasmine Kinsey, Assistant Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at UMMC. And I have with me today Dr. Susan Schamberger, who's an Associate Professor in the Department of Radiology at UMMC and one of our breast imaging specialists. And we have learned a lot so far just reminding everyone to get out and get their screening um, for breast cancer with mammography. For those that are younger than 40, start doing your risk assessment. That's hot off the press. Just new recommendations this year. Talking to your PCP about your risk assessment starting at the age of 25. Um, and so we'll just move on to our co- our next caller. So we have Lee in Mobile, Alabama. Hey, Lee, how are you? 
Uh, I'm doing well, y'all. Good. I actually trained at South Alabama and Mobile, Alabama, Did so you? so good to hear from you. <laughs> well, my, my question is, I had uh, prostate cancer when I was uh, in 97, and then again I had to have a lung resection about two years ago because prostate cancer wound up in my right lung. And when they did that biopsy, they determined I also had the BRCA gene, mm-hmm. which is probably why my mother passed away of breast cancer. And my real question is, I have a daughter and three granddaughters. Yes, Can sir. I pass it on? Can you, I'm sorry, can you, what was the last? Yes, you can. So can you pass it on? The question is, um, yes, yes. You, people do pass on. Um, genes for breast cancer, BRCA genes. There are many genes that are actually um, increase your risk for having breast cancer. But yes, they are. They do pass on in families. And through the male also. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. sir. So usually in those instances, I encourage family members to talk to your PCP and, you know, talk about if you want them to be screened for that gene, they can be tested for that gene. But I always want people to kind of know what those implications are. So, you know, just not to blindly test. Right. And your PCP can refer you to a genetics counselor Mm -hmm. and they can talk to you about the risks and benefits and testing and um then if somebody tests positive or negative, then what their what their screening regimens would be. So I have three younger sisters, all over 70 now, and none of them look at breast cancer, but I got prostate cancer. Right, and so genetics yeah. are a funny thing. So you could have four children and have the gene and only pass it to one, or sometimes you could pass it to all. You don't know without genetic testing. Okay. Well, you answered my question. My primary question was, I as a male could pass that on. Yes, sir. All right. Thanks for your help. Well, I appreciate mm-hmm. your question, Lee, and you have a great I day. Mean, just one other thing. Oh, sure. I, would you recommend, recommend that men, men who had mothers who had breast cancer to get checked more often for prostate cancer? So, I had prostate cancer when I was 50 years, 54 years old. You're exactly right. So even our males, if you've got a family history of breast cancer to, you know, start getting checked for prostate cancer younger. And so the nice thing about prostate cancer is now it's a blood test. We can do that PSA and you can get that checked yearly. So just like with breast cancer, it's the same for prostate cancer that, you know, if there's a strong family history. Your screening would oftentimes start sooner than we would for patients that are average risk. So these are great conversations um, to have with your doctor. And also the great part of genetic counseling, if your um, if your family members decide to go down that route, they let you know, you know, uncles, aunts, what to do about your offspring and those types of things and how soon all those people need to be tested. So it's just great to get in um, when you have a strong family history. Okay, my oldest granddaughter is 27 and my next age is uh, 18. Are they, should they get tested that early? Well, they can. It's actually up to them um, as adults, but they should talk to their doctor about your history of having the BRCA gene, and they can be referred for genetics counseling and testing if they wish to do that. But they should definitely right. know that it is in the in the family. So, Okay. Well, thanks for your help. Thank you so much for your call, Lee. Have a good day. You too. And I honestly really appreciate Lee's call um, and even Rebecca's call earlier because I just try to remind uh, patients and families because some people are private and that's okay. Like some people don't really like 
you know, for their relatives to know, you know, their health problems are what they're going through. But I think this is a wonderful example of you sharing your story with your family can be life saving. Absolutely. We have that conversation every day. And I'll ask women, what is what's your family history? Is anybody in your family ever had breast cancer before? And they say, well, I don't know. Um, because they're very private and they don't talk about those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of times you find out they find out only when they are diagnosed with breast cancer, then other family members come forward and say that. But if we could have those conversations early, it would definitely help save lives and save people from more extensive surgeries and chemotherapy that they, that they might not need if they were screened earlier. Exactly. And just like we said earlier in the show, you know, the survival rate, the earlier you're detected, you know, a 99% five-year survival rate for breast cancer. I mean, I feel like you just can't beat those statistics. So just being aware of your history, being aware what your options are um, is really important. So one of the things I was actually um, talking to Dr. Schamberger about a little bit on the break is things that are coming up that we may not have necessarily seen in the past. And so uh, I have a lot of women with breast implants. And so I've had the question come up, do we still use mammography? Do we, does the screening change? Is it the same? Is no, there- the screening stays the same. We mm-hmm. still do mammograms. We do um, what we call implant displaced views. Okay. Um, so that we can better see, mobilize and see the breast tissue where the implants are pushed back out of the way. Um, the, having breast can- breast implants does um, make interpretation a little bit more difficult sometimes, but we do the best that we can. Perfect. And then I also have some people as far as imaging with the MRI with implants. Does that make a dif- difference for them? Would they need more or mammograms is still perfect? It's still mammography. Okay. Unless you have elevated risk factors gotcha. for yourself. Well, perfect. And then the other thing that has come up a good bit. So being medpeds, I deal a lot with the babies and the parents and those types of things. And I had three kids in about five years. So and women are starting to have kids a lot later. So for all of our mothers that are nursing or those types of things, do they need to hold off on their mammographies while they're nursing or do they still do the the yearly or does it change their screening? Well, it does it does make it more difficult uh-huh. because your breast tissue is definitely more dense while you are breastfeeding and um I think depending on age, you know, that can you know, whether or not to forego screening that year. If someone is going to have a mammogram, then we do recommend that if you can, you empty your breast first. Mm-hmm. Like you could bring the baby. We love seeing babies <laughs> at the breast center because we don't get to that often. But you can bring your baby and feed your baby right before your mammogram. Or if you want to pop right before and empty your breasts of the milk, then that makes the mammogram easier to interpret. Perfect. And I feel like, again, you know, since they've moved the recommendations from 50 to 40, these are questions that I get in my clinic. And I'm like, you know what? That's a great that's a great question. Let me figure that out for you. But if you are if you are breastfeeding, definitely let the technologist know. Right. So that they can ultimately be be prepared. So once everyone has gotten there, we talked about mammography. You might be asked to come back and do follow up imaging such as ultrasound and their diagnostic mammograms. Some people are asked to come back and get their biopsies done. So what does that look like for our women that are having to do the follow-up and get their biopsies? So for a biopsy, it's it's a needle biopsy is mm-hmm. how we do over 95% of our biopsies. And um, it's not usually as bad as what people think it's going to be. Um, we do use lidocaine to 
anesthetize the area, local anesthesia, and then usually a needle's introduced, and we take a few samples and then leave a little marker. It's about the size of a piece of glitter. It's a titanium marker. It's kind of an X marks the spot so that we can see on your mammogram that, hey, we got the right spot. And when we read your mammogram from now on, if everything's okay, we go, okay, we biopsied that before. Mm -hmm. We're going to leave that alone. But if it's something that does need to be excised, it gives the surgeon a marker to know where to go to take that little spot out. Well, perfect. And we have learned so much this this morning and just kind of being able to round out National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, reminding women to go um, get their screening mammogram and just discussing some of the newer and latest updates. We really have been driving home a good portion of this show about risk factors and, you know, knowing your family history and making sure you're getting everyone to get out there and be screened. But the reality is, there's a lot of people with breast cancer don't have that history. That's right. So 75% of all our new diagnoses for breast cancer do not have a significant family history or they're not considered high risk. So a lot of people ask me, they're like, well, nobody in my family's had breast cancer, so I don't need to get screened. And I'm like, we have to kind of back up and say, well, actually you do. So Mm -hmm. the biggest risk factor for developing breast cancer is just being female. So Like I said, everybody of average risk should start screening at age 40, annual screening mammography at age 40. So... And you say annual. There Also, I think there's not a consensus anymore on that. There are in the past, I feel there's been an every other year. Some people say annually. What have right. been your thoughts? So the ACR and SBI, again, we've always recommended annual screening mammography at age 40. Um, that's has saved the most lives and the most years of life by screening annual at age 40. That gives us the best chance of catching a cancer early to mm-hmm. continue with that 99% five-year survival rate. And I'm pretty sure at this point, at least from my end, most insurances are covering a yearly um, mammography. It's not going along with the every other year. So every now and then you'll see online that it says every other year. But really, you know, it just seems like... I tell everyone, you know, my story, my mom had a clean mammogram and literally one year later um, is when they found her breast cancer. So I am a huge proponent of yearly mammograms. (laughs) Definitely. Well, one thing we were also chatting about um, on the break that really kind of came out when we noticed the COVID vaccine was that a lot of people were getting so much lymphadenopathy and things like that after their COVID vaccine. Right. So what are the recommendations now? Still go, wait after your vaccine, let somebody know? or So continue with annual screening mammography. If you've had a recent COVID vaccine or other vaccine, let your technologist know that, hey, I just had a vaccine about three weeks ago. And um, they will we'll have that when we read your exam. So we can say, oh, hey, this person's lymph nodes are a little bigger, maybe. And we look for that, actually. Mm-hmm. We go, oh, what is their vaccine history? Um, so then we kind of have an idea of why that might be instead of being more worried about a cancer. Perfect. Well, you know, definitely now and days in this time, also, as we were learning more just about mammography and screening, um, one of the things that's been coming up is our transgender populations. And what what are the recommendations now for screening for them? So we still recommend annual screening mammography at age 40 for um, trans feminine patients or well, for male to female patients who've used hormones for five years or greater. 
So male to female that are using hormones, then we recommend annual screening starting at age 40. Um, for female to male patients who've not had a mastectomy, we also recommend annual screening mammography starting at age 40 if they're of average risk and have not had mastectomy. So... Perfect. And so, again, I just tell pa- patients, you know, make sure you're, you're kind of remain, remaining informed and, you know, having these discussions with your provider and making sure all of your, your screenings are done at the right time. Absolutely. Definitely. Well, you know, we've learned so much about uh, everything from screening and, and things, getting your mammograms and being prepared for your mammograms. What, uh, Dr. Schamberger, do you feel are the take home points for that you want any patient to know or any caller that's listening not to forget about our show today? Well, definitely annual screening mammography starting at age 40. That's our that's our battle cry. That's the main message we want to get out. Um, also, the new recommendation of having a risk assessment at age 25. So that's all women deserve a risk assessment at age 25 to see if earlier supplemental screening um, would help save your life. Um, and know what your risk factors are that you so that you can take care of yourself in that way. Um, anybody that has a question about um, whether or not they're high risk, see your primary care doctor, see your OBGYN, and you can even ask the technologist or the physician you talk to at a breast care center, and we can say, hey, sure, we can help you figure this out and get you on the right track. Perfect. And I and I always have my plug every Friday as well. If you don't have a primary care provider, make sure you're out there getting yourself a primary care provider for yourself, for your family members. Everyone's like, I feel fine. I feel great. And don't go to the doctor. That's until right. Everybody, everybody needs a primary care provider. Yes. And so in and that can be anything. So just for everyone, you know, primary care, internal medicine, your OBGYN, you know, is your primary care. We've got family medicine doctors um, that are out there to see you and to help take care of you. And just to remember, I my take home, I agree with everything that Dr. Schamberger has said. And I just want to remind people, I just hope that fear is not what's keeping you from um, getting the care that you need. So, you know, reach out to, you know, there's lots of church members, friends, things like that, that will go with you if you're nervous about getting your um, getting your screening done or talking to someone about it. But, you know, although October is coming to an end and it's National Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Is this month is just a reminder, but this is, happens, you know, all year long. All year long, twelve months a year. Twelve months a year, and then just to uh, give a shout out to those that are our survivors out there. Um, you know, knowing that you have lots of support, and you know, not forgetting to reach out to your family members and friends and and people that you need, and and reminding your relatives if they haven't gotten their mammogram. Guys out there listening to, uh, thank you, Lee, for calling, telling your niece, your your um, your sister, whoever it may be to make sure that that they're getting checked out as well absolutely well well we definitely have enjoyed sharing everything with you guys and just remembering that the the biggest thing is that you can definitely decrease your risk of uh and um breast cancer with screening um and making sure you're getting that done at a regular basis and it's a 99 percent survival rate if you if it's caught 
early within five years. And so this is Southern Remedy Women's Health. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, Think Radio, and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from listeners like you. Today's show was engineered by Abram Nanny, and I'm Dr. Jasmine Kinsey. Join us next Friday at 11 for Southern Remedy Women's Health on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.